I got in my truck a few moments ago to come over here and uh, the devil said you know you've preached that message twice and it ain't been good either time but I'm going to preach it the third time I think I've got a new spirit right now I tell you I praise the Lord uh, what a blessing just a man just a blessing Thank you so much, choir and instrumentalists and all those that do so much right here. Uh, turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. We'll be looking this morning. We've been just studying some characters uh, headed toward the cross as we go toward Resurrection Sunday. Well, what a, what a precious music service to just lead in. I really just need to give an invitation and just quit preaching, but I won't. I'll go ahead and preach just a little while, all right? Just a little while. Mark 16, I read about a professor, a Ph.D., wonderful, intelligent human being. And uh, his wife told him, uh, now, honey, remember, he was having breakfast with the family, and he said, now, remember, honey, that we're moving today. So don't come to the old house when you're through. Go to the new house. He said, okay, no problem. All day long, he thought, there's something I need to remember. I just can't remember what it was. And when he got to the house, he realized, oh, that's what it was. I, we've got a new house. I'm just not sure where it is. <laughs> and so he saw two kids playing out in the front yard, and he went out to the kids. He said, uh, do y'all know the people that used to live in this house? And they said, yes. And he said, do you know where they moved to? And the little boy said, mama said you'd forget that. <laughs> I've been amazed at how fast things can change in life. I mean, just like that. Uh, you can, one day a spouse is here, the next day they're gone. One day you think you're well, the next day you discover you're extremely ill. One day everything in your life is going well, the next day everything's falling apart. And it appears to be no hope, it appears to be no, no uh, it, uh, solution for your situation. It's true that many things can change over the course of a day. What a difference a day makes. When you get to Mark chapter 16, <laughs> one day makes all the difference in the world. Would you stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrightened. And he said unto them, Be not affrightened, be not afraid. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see him, as he said unto you. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed already. 
I pray your spirit would continue just to fall fresh on this place. Lord, don't, don't do, let us think of anything or do anything that might hinder the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in this service today. We want to honor you and glorify you and magnify you and lift you up. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What a difference a, a day makes. It's never been more true than what happened with these three women here. Uh, Mark is the only gospel writer that speaks about the, the Sabbath, the dark, dreary day. Jesus died on the, on the Friday. Uh, Dr. E.V. Hill, that great black evangelistic preacher, had that sermon. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that's kind of what's happened here. These women... Uh, they've gone through Friday. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus has placed the body in the tomb. It was kind of a rush procedure there. You didn't want to have a dead body out on the Sabbath, so they had to get it in there as fast as they could. And they could not come on the Sabbath. So on the first day of the week, on Sunday, these ladies had bought spices and sweet savoring things, and they'd come to anoint the body. And uh, as they got there, uh, the whole thing changed. They came with their heads down, with their heads bowed, in a lot of trouble and pain and, and just frustration and brokenheartedness. And they leave there totally different from when they came. What a difference a day makes. The ministry of love is shown here evidently. Their desire is to go and to, and to uh, uh, put spices on the body. Uh, and they, they, that, that's a ministry there. And folks, that reminds us that our ministry needs to continue on as churches. We, we don't need to quit giving. We don't need to quit loving. We don't need to quit reaching or quit serving. We need to continue to move on for the glory of God. That's exactly what these ladies done. Sometimes it's going to seem like it's Saturday to us. And we're heartbroken and we're weary and we're worn out. But folk, I want to tell you, Sunday's coming the next day. What a difference a day makes. Then they're not only their love, but their devotion. Most people in this society arose about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, and I know some of you didn't even know there was a 5.30 in the morning. But uh, there he is. And they rose up early in the morning there. And they got their... Uh, all the spices together and they made their way from Bethany, probably about two mile trek there over to where uh, Golgotha was. Their love and devotion to the Lord is seen in their labor of love. I looked around yesterday. Uh, I, the count I got was there were 123 people here on work day yesterday. It was just tremendous. People scattered all over this place. I praise the Lord. If you didn't get to come, come see me. I've got some more projects, and we can get you lined up, and you can be part of that too. But uh, it was a, I'm thinking the labor of love that these folks have saved the money and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's no price tag you can put on that. They love the Lord. They were devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were brokenhearted over his death, and then in a, in a hurry to get to him that they might minister to him one final time. Now they got some doubts, verse 3 says. As they walked, they kept talking about the stone over the door of the tomb. It must have dawned on them after they purchased their spices and everything. Good grief, who's going to move that stone for us? That thing probably weighs a 1,000 pounds, and we hadn't even thought about that. It's not going to be us three ladies here because we sure can't move it there. And uh, they, they got there. They're obvious, uh, no, obvious, they're oblivious to the fact that an earthquake had already taken 
And they're oblivious to the fact that the stone has been rolled away. And they get there. I don't know if they were crossing a little mountain or going up a hill, what. That they made their way to the tomb that morning, filled with sorrow, grief, and fear. Uh, and their problem is they were still living in Saturday and not Sunday. That's what the problem is. Some of you in this place today, that's really your big problem. You're living like it's Saturday. And I want to tell you, I've got some good news. It's Sunday. The resurrection's already happened. It's Sunday. Y'all going to have to bear me with this water. I'm, I'm looking for those people who will freeze your body and bring you back. If I could just get frozen until this hay fever season is over with and then be brought back, I'd sign up for that. Amen. When this awful Saturday dawned, all they could see was the shattered remains of their hopes and their dreams. And, and the Lord's followers here, they placed all their faith and all their confidence in Jesus. And now he's gone. All of their hopes and dreams come, uh, uh, crumbled to the ground. It, it's, uh, it's all over. Uh, it, it, there, there's no future. There's no hope. There's no salvation. There's no kingdom. Jesus is dead. But in the story, if it ended like that, with him being put in a tomb and a stone rolled across that tomb, Paul said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. And that's where a lot of folks are today. What a difference one day makes. We're living in the Saturday. We're living with our hopes shattered and our dreams frustrated. And I want to tell you, the Lord says, come on, let's move over here to Sunday. I've got something for you to sing about. I've got something for you to shout about if you'll come over here and move on with me uh, to Sunday there. So they moved through this world without joy, without peace, and trapped in their sins, headed to hell. And they're still strapped in on Saturday when all the time Jesus says, come on Sunday. What a difference a day makes. It's a message of life. These ladies arrive at their tomb. They looked. Their fear turned to amazement. Paul says when they looked, they, they walked toward the tomb. They did so with their heads bowed. And they were not privy to all the things that had happened. They seen the tomb open. And they're presuming the very worst. And the worst is that Jesus' enemies have come and taken his body. And they, they've taken him, and they don't know where he is. They, they think of the very worst. How many of y'all, that's the first thing you think of? When something comes up, you, you know, the glass is half empty. It's not half full. Well, it's still half full. Man, you, it, you're thinking like Saturday, and it's Sunday. What a difference one day makes. Now, let me just set this straight so you'll understand this. The stone was not moved so Jesus could get out. The stone was moved so they could get in. Jesus didn't need anybody to move the stone. He could have walked right on through the stone. It made no difference at all. That was moved so they could get in. And when they get in there, they find this young man sitting on the right side, clothed, the Bible says, in a strange garment. The other gospel accounts tell us it was an angel there. And he gives them some messages. And it's good for us today, too. The same message that he gave Mary, Mary, and Salome, he gives to us today. It's a message of peace. He tells them, be not afraid. When they saw him, they were filled with fear. And the word affrighted literally means to be struck with terror. They said, don't be afraid. That's the message of peace. We spend our whole life worrying and afraid about what's going to happen. Rest in Jesus. 
Trust in Jesus. He'll carry us through. It's not only a message of peace, though, but it's a message of power. He tells them that he knows why they're here. Don't you know that blows their mind? They walk in, and they're just frightened, and he said, Hey, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. Don't be afraid. He tells them why they're here. But he said, he's not here. He's risen. Look over here. Here's his bed clothes, death clothes there, but he's not there. You see, we've got some intelligent folk today who are far smarter than your pastor. And they're teaching in our colleges and institutions uh, the swoon theory. That Jesus just kind of hyperventilated and passed out. He just kind of swooned. Well, these three ladies had better sense than that. They saw him hanging on the cross. They saw the spear in his side. They saw the blood flowing down. They saw him yield up his spirit. They really did see him die. So that makes it exciting. He wants them to know that he cried, it is finished, didn't mean that he was finished. He didn't stay dead. He's arisen. When he said it is finished, he's talking about man's redemption, our plan of salvation, the empty tomb of the Lord. Let me just tell you this now. The empty tomb of the Lord is no place for gloom and despair and agony. He's risen. (laughs) Man, I, I don't know what you brought to the table today, but I'm just telling you, when you get upside that empty tomb, you remember that old rugged cross, nothing good I bring with me. Man, there's no room for gloom and despair. Now, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus did not die, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, we know he died, but if he didn't raise from the dead, Paul said, just think of what's going to happen. And he lists them out. He said, he died in vain. If he didn't resurrect, he died in vain. He not only died in vain, but he lied. He said he was going to come back. And he had no power to save then, and he can't save anybody now. You don't want to believe in the resurrection, you can't be saved. Because Jesus can't save you. It's not only Christ is not risen, but our preaching's a waste of time. Now, there's some of you in here think that anyway. But I'm just telling you, if he hadn't come back from the dead, it's a waste of time what we're doing here this morning. Our faith is foolish. All the praying, studying, witnessing, working, one plus one plus one, all that's foolishness if he didn't rise from the dead. All Christians are liars. You've stood up and given your testimony, how you were lost, and the Lord Jesus convicted you and drew you to him, and you asked him to take over your life. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He can't do that unless he rose from the dead. Then we're all lost in our sins. A dead Savior can't help nobody. Our departed loved ones that we've seen going on before, we'll never see them again. If there's no resurrection, we'll never see another person again who's died on the face of this earth. We're to be pitied. But he did raise from the dead. He is still able to save souls. He's still able to give us life. He's able to change us from the vile creatures we are. He's alive just like the angel said he was. And that was a message that these women needed to hear that Sunday morning. Folks, that's the message our world needs to hear. That's the message right there. Boy, we're, we're living in days when most of our young people in colleges are, are a half an inch off of wanting socialism in this country. 
And we need to be crying out. I'm going to cry out from the pulpit. You say, I don't like that. Well, then find somewhere else to go. I'm telling you right now, we don't need socialism. We don't need communism. What we need is Jesus in this world right now. And you're never going to convince these college kids of that because, hey, I remember when I was college, I know it was a long time, I had all the answers. The problem was no adults wanted to know what they were. I had all the answers. You grow out of that. Well, I think we're maybe getting a generation that's not going to grow out of it because they've been given everything. I got to go on. I'm going to get in trouble. It's a... It's a message of proof here. After telling the women that Jesus had risen from the dead, he invited them in to look at the place. And, and, and they looked and were told what they saw in John 20. And they would have seen the cloth strips that had been wrapped around his body still laying there undisturbed there. They would have looked upon a scene that was calm and, and in order. It, it wasn't the kind of scene where someone had come in and taken the body or anything. Everything's wrapped up. Everything's fine. So every theory they propose is dashed to pieces by the empty tomb. I don't care what anybody tells you. When you put what they think upside the empty tomb, it's gone. It's gone. If the Jews had the body, they would have produced it when the disciples started preaching the resurrection. They said, oh, uh, we, uh, no, we've got a council that spent $40 million and we can tell you they colluded with the Jews. But they didn't have, I'm just preaching the Bible this morning. They didn't have a body. They couldn't do that. I didn't put that in those other two sermons. Maybe that's it. <laughs> ah, a glorious thing. The glorious thing is that stone that was rolled away is still being rolled away from lives today. And people are being changed because of the empty tomb. It's a mission of liberation. In verse 7, the angel sends them away from the tomb and, he's, and he says this, you go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter had just denied the Lord. You go tell them and you tell Peter too that I'm alive. There's no need to fear. There's joy. There's hope. Even Peter, you go tell Peter. They came to the tomb that morning worried about rolling away one stone from a tomb. And they didn't know that God was fixing to use them to roll countless stones away from people's lives. They came with sorrow in their hearts, and they leave a different way. The Bible says they were amazed. Literally, the East Texas vernacular for it is, it blowed their minds. That's what we'd say down here. They left that way. What an amazement. The idea of being overcome with an awe. In other words, what they encountered was not what they expected. Some of you this morning came in here, and you didn't expect for God to move today. You, you just thought you'd come to church like you always do. Oh, Holy Spirit, come fresh on this place today. Do something we're not expecting. <laughs> and then the consequences. Mark tells us that they didn't talk about what they'd seen and heard with anybody along the way. The other gospels tell us that they ran up to the tomb. But boy, what they had to say here, what they saw with their eyes, 
not only affected the disciples, but it affected everyone they came in contact with. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the first encounter in belief. I'm so, I, I hope you're doing this one plus one plus one. If you're not, you still got time to get in on it. I've already had three different ones come and say, preacher, the name I wrote down got saved. Hey, I'm, it don't have to be one plus one right here. The kingdom of God can be anywhere. It may be somebody you know in Arizona, somebody you know in California. But I'm telling you, when you talk to the Father and then you talk to them, the Holy Spirit does his part, you do your part, God does his part. This new life is not perfect. It's a life that Christ lives through. And there were other folks that saw him. It's, it can't be a setup, folks. Mary saw him. Uh, Cephas saw him. The 12 saw him. The 500 at one time saw him. You can't get, there's, there's more than 500 in here. To say that we're all going to make up this story that we've seen Jesus. and what, There'd be one of y'all in here would be a dud. You'd lie about it. You'd turn all of us in. You can't get 500 Baptists to agree on anything. But these 500 said, we saw him. James, Christ's brother, saw him. The apostles saw him. Paul said, last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. That's the power of an empty tomb. The power of an empty tomb. It has the power to roll the stones away. And that's what Christ wants to do for you this morning. What a difference a day makes. On Saturday, everything looked bleak. Barren, dead, Sunday, everything changed forever. One stone was rolled away, and the world would never be the same. Never be the same, because that stone was rolled away. And if it had not been rolled away, everything we've done. I hear people today say, well, we believe Jesus was a good teacher, but he can't be deity. Well, you're just kind of, the kids are all gone. You're just kind of stupid. All right, I can't say that in front of the kids. But you just, that's just, how could he be a good teacher if he lied about who he was? How can you call him good if he's a false prophet? I'm telling you, he is who he says he is. He's a king of kings and lord of lords. And I'll tell you, some Sunday, some struggling believers in this place today have heard the good news that Jesus is alive and he wants to roll your stones away. I heard it one day. I believed it. Many of you in this place heard it one day. You believed it. Jesus came in and changed your life. Not only, incidentally, if the resurrection is not true, not only would Jesus be a liar, but every one of you would be a liar. Any of you that got up and said, I, this is my testimony, I you're lying. Just like he raised Lazarus from the dead in John 11, Jesus can do the very same thing for you. He can do the same thing. I, I don't know, but man, if I was living a life that was cold and depressing and heartless, no peace, no joy, it's like living in a tomb. It's like living a life of death. But this morning, Jesus is here to roll your stone away. Suppose you fall overboard on a cruise ship. You're there. You get so excited. They're such beautiful ships. You lean out and you fall overboard on that thing. 
you can't swim. You're beginning to go under. So somebody speeds up in a motorboat, and they begin to circle you. And they're instructing you on how to swim. They say, look, you've got to use your backstroke. You've got to use your breaststroke. I'm going to show you how to use the Australian crawl. <laughs> boom, boom, you're still going down. You know, you, you don't need somebody to teach you when you're drowning. Well, suppose it wasn't a teacher in the boat. Suppose it was a judge or a lawyer. He's going to circle around you and he's going to say, they told you not to get too close to the edge. You're getting just what you deserved. They told you, but you, you mm, no, nobody can tell you nothing. You're getting just what you deserve. But suppose it wasn't a teacher and suppose it wasn't a lawyer. Suppose it was an example. A guy in that boat jumps out and said, let me show you how to swim. And he's swimming, and you're still boom, boom, boom. Well, let's say it's not a teacher, it's not a lawyer, it's not an example. Let's say somebody shows up in that boat and drags you up in that boat. And then you begin to head for the boat again, but suddenly he doesn't like you. So he throws you overboard. That's your probation officer. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. If you're sitting drowning and you're going under, you don't need a teacher. You don't need a lawyer or a judge. You don't need an example. You don't need anybody. What you need is a Savior. And I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is the Savior of the world right now. If you have come to this place and there's a desire in your heart, and you know that, I, I promise you, if you've got a desire in your heart to know Jesus, the devil is not putting that there. The last thing he wants you to do is be saved. If you've got a desire in your heart, I'm telling you, you can be saved today. Jesus calls you today. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not one of those that believe God's chosen everybody. But I am one of those that believe that God's got a deadline on everybody. You see, you can't be saved unless you're drawn by the Holy Spirit. But if you're here in this place today and something's knocking at your heart door, that's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, today I want you to be saved. Today I want to roll the stone away. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be happy and joyful and peaceful. It's not going to mean that. What it's going to mean is whatever we go through, he's there with us. And I'll tell you, to have Jesus on your side is worth more than anything else in this world. I say that's the good news of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. That's all it is. You can't add anything to it. There'll be people that tell you, oh, yeah, I believe the death, burial, and resurrection, but you got to do good works too. I wish I could prove that. It'd be great in a Baptist church if we could prove you either had to work or you was going to hell. But you can't prove it. It's not in the Word of God. You come just like you are. Some of you here saying, I've got too much. I've got to clear up. You won't ever clear it up. Jesus is the one that rolls the stone away so he can clear you up. But it all starts with you coming to Jesus. Maybe you need to be saved today. Maybe there's somebody here that wants to be a part of this church. Maybe there's somebody here that 
just says, hey, I've been saved, but I've never been scripturally baptized. I want to be baptized. Maybe you just need to come to these altars and pray. I just want to leave you with one thing. Jesus can roll your stone away. Whatever's blocking your life, he can roll your stone away. He desires to. Would you pray with me? Father, we come this morning. Our eyes are glued on the weeks ahead of the Resurrection Sunday. And we know there's a lot of things that take place between now and then. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are not ready. God, would today be their day of salvation. May not understand it, but they know they're lost. May they come today and let you save them and let you roll their stone away. Others in this place, Lord, we we know we're saved. But those stones have kind of rolled up in front of us and our fellowship's kind of broken. We may even can peek out behind the stone every once in a while. But, oh, God, I'm asking you for every one of us who are saved, roll the stones of this world away. May we rejoice like it's resurrection day all over. Let your spirit have control of this service. Do as you please. And we're going to praise the name of Jesus. Amen.